Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome to Take Command Podcast. I'm Logan Paulson. Craig Hoffman is out at the moment. He's getting married or he's on his honeymoon, whatever he's doing. Not working is what he's doing. And I'm here with the man, the myth, the legend, John Keim himself, a guy that needs no introduction. Um, Obviously, John covers the team, ESPN, all that kind of stuff. John Keim report... uh, uh, on his podcast, but John, I'd like to start off by just saying, you know, cuts happened yesterday. Any surprises for you coming out of that? The surprise, Logan, uh, first of all, that's quite an excuse not to show up for a podcast is to be on your quote unquote uh, wedding. Right? I mean, that's like you tell yeah. them. I'm like, dude, you know, do, do they not have Zoom in Scotland? Yeah, I mean, that's what I was saying. Like, yeah. you got married? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, I, yeah. Like, so, work, yeah, anyways. So, with the surprises with the cuts, I wouldn't say there were any, nothing, nothing like overly surprising. I think the surprising part was cutting both Danny Johnson and Cornell, they're at corner and going with four corners. Um, Cleek Hudson as a linebacker being cut, was that a shocker? No. Um, I think. But you, you thought you thought he'd be on the team. Though, I did think he'd be on the team, but 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 if you watch it, did you think he was guaranteed of a spot? I did not. I did have him on the team. I had he and Milo Eifler, and then after the Ravens game, or watching that game, I thought Dejon Harris had progressed and played pretty well in that game. So it made me look at that position differently. But even then, I didn't know that he would be like I didn't know that he'd be a one who would bump Kalik out of the spot. But it's not a shocking move. It's a, hey, you know, the guy had been here for a couple of years. You thought he could develop into something, and now they cut him. So that would be a mild surprise, I guess. Um, and then beyond that, I really can't say because at running back, we don't know Brian Robinson's status enough to say, you know, should they would they put him on the NFI list? I think the surprise is that he was left on the active roster, but we still don't know what's going to happen two days from now with him as far as like, would they put him on that list and then he's out four games or, or do they think he's going to be back? I think that would be the, the best development for him because it, it suggests where he's at and is, is, you know, after being shot. I mean, not just as a football player, but as a person. So, right. but you know, so then I think the other part Logan was, um, was five tight ends. Yeah. But I don't think you're going to end up with five tight ends. I think it just depends on what do they do with Curtis Hodges. He's still coming back from his injury. Um, 
But what happens with him? Would they really keep five? That seems like an awful lot to, to keep at that spot. So I think it's still a very fluid situation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that you always remind me of when we get to this point of the offseason is that the roster, even though it's the final 53, is not really right. the final 53. And, like, you know, are there any moves you'd expect them to make in the next couple days to kind of flesh out the roster? I would because you have – you look, look at the breakdown. It's 27 on offense, 23 on defense. I don't think you're going to end up that way. So that's why I say – part of that depends on what do they do with Brian Robinson because if they put him on that list, now you're, pro- you're going to add another player, and most likely you probably add a defensive player. 26-24 split is okay. That's not ab- – that's certainly right. not abnormal. That's – that's happened here in the past many times. You know, um, if you did something, let's say, with one of the tight ends, but then that depends on what is their confidence level in John Bates and Cole Turner for that first game. If they're not confident, then you're going to keep those, you know, uh, both Rodgers and, and Hodges around, although I don't know if, if Hodges would even be ready to play. He hasn't practiced in a long time. So, you know, so I still think you're going to do something there. Would you add another corner? I know you and I talked about this on my way home from the park yesterday about with only four corners, to me, you need to add a veteran there. Um, And even though there's some versatility with other guys that I'm sure you want to get into at safety, that could help in a pinch. I still think you need some sort of veteran. You you can go ahead. You can go ahead and talk about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you know, first, we talked about first. Right. So first of all, you look at the corners, and there's only four. So it's obviously Jackson, Fuller, and Benjamin St. Juice. And then it's a rookie, Christian mm-hmm. Holmes. So you have, you know, and St. Juice is not a deeply experienced player. So you have two, one guy with some experience and one guy with none as your backup corners. That's that's not ideal. Um, and right. But the question that I have that you and I talked about is Percy Butler's versatility and how that can help them in a pinch uh, during a game. And, his, you know, because as we saw in practice, he was lining up in some more of the nickel at times. And could he do that in a pinch, depending on what you're facing on the other team's offense? And I feel like that's something that came up kind of late in training camp. You know, I know they were messing with him at, like, that Buffalo nickel spot, but then he went from Buffalo nickel to kind of pure nickel. So it does feel a little bit, I don't want to say – you know, like not out of the blue because he did a really good job for the you know six days he was doing it. But it seems like you're betting a lot on a guy who's just started playing the position. And then um, I'd like you to talk about your thoughts on Christian Holmes too, because you know he's a guy that was getting a lot of hype early, but then quieted down as camp went on. Yeah, and I think the, couple, the first of all, he has good size, and you know he yeah. did have a solid start to camp. I didn't think he was. I didn't think, certainly didn't think he was bad in the games. But even in the last game against Ravens, gave up several catches in a row underneath. And but you watch the other corners that he was going up that he was in the field <laughs> with, they're giving up plays behind him, right? So yeah. behind him. So like he wasn't doing that. So I you know, that okay, you know, um, what does that suggest? I think the one thing I like is something that Kendall Fuller talked about is how how inquisitive he is with him. Like right. they have lockers next to each other. And I think that's a great thing because I think Kendall Fuller is one of the smartest players in that locker room because of his preparation and all that. I used to love when we could go in the locker rooms and we'll be back in there this year. But when I could, I used to love talking to him about various plays because he was really, he was detailed on what he saw and why he reacted a certain way. He always could tell you the why about his reaction to something. And it usually came back to 
film study. So having Holmes mm -hmm. next to him, and he said that Holmes is someone who asks him a lot of questions. I like that. So I see why they like him. Yep. And again, the size, I would just be more comfortable if you had another player with some experience in the NFL, inside, outside, whatever, that to, to, to fortify that position. Because I still, like, if something happens to Jackson or Fuller, what's what's going to happen with this D? And, 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 you know, I think that would be my concern is the depth there. But I do like... I like the I like his traits, and I like what I've heard about him. Yeah, well, I mean, I think he's shown some really nice maturity. I think that's a thing that when he comes in, like I was talking to um, Sean Springs about him, and Sean was like, "Oh, is this guy? How long has this guy been in the league?" And I'm like, "Oh, he's a rookie." He's like, "Oh, he's got a really nice polish to him and a really nice technique." But again, you know, you you want somebody who's played a little bit more right. football, I think, and I think that's the thing that sticks out to me about that. Um, with regards to tight end, do you have any notion of like what they're going to do there? I mean, because you know you mentioned Curtis Hodges, and I like Curtis. I've talked about him a lot on the podcast, but he seems to be the farthest behind right. in terms of health. You know, Bates and Turner did individuals yesterday. Do you have any? I mean, this is all speculation at this point. Do you have any idea? Like, I don't have any. Well, I don't have any great information as to when they think he might come back. I just know he hasn't been out there in a while, and I know that. When you're making that transition from college to the NFL, missing three or four weeks in training camp is a huge deal. And yeah. so mm -hmm. I don't know, um, but clearly they like him enough to have kept him on the initial roster. That, that really speaks volumes because it would have been easy for them just to cut him and ho try mm -hmm. to sneak him on the practice squad. Although I, if he's hurt, you're not going to cut him. So that's, you know, it, it could be that he ends up going on IR and allow, and I don't know this. You know, but it's if we're yeah, looking no, at this is all. I mean, right, if we're looking at possible moves, that's a natural one to wonder because he is hurt, and you know, you, it gives you a chance to keep him around this year, and more importantly, you can bring him off that list once the cuts are made. So they could bring him off the list if something happens. So you know, and so or if they need to, so it doesn't mean he's out for the year. It just means he would be out for at least four weeks. So I think I could see that happening. But the, you know, and he's not going to come in like no matter with Bates and Turner, you're not going to put Curtis Hodges out there right now because he hasn't practiced in so long. He can't be ready to yeah. play in an NFL game. Armani Rogers has gotten so much action that he you could see the progress with him not just as a receiver right. but as a blocker as well. So I think that's where, you know, I, so I do think that something would eventually happen there with Hodges because it just, it, that's what makes sense. And it, it allows them to free up a roster spot to add somebody somewhere else. Yeah, and like, I'm not up to all the roster maneuvering the same way you are. Is there an advantage to holding him like past the cuts i know like if he's hurt yes. you can't cut him yeah. right so but is there an advantage to kind of that yes so if you cut yeah. him before the final cuts you would have to release him within a week with an injury settlement for him to be eligible to come to for you to resign him if you so and you would in that case you would miss at least three games plus whatever the, the settlement amounts to in terms of games. So if you pay him two games or a settlement, he's missing at least five games. The other thing is if you don't yeah. release him in that point, then he's on there for the entire year. And he can be released when healthy, but he can't mm. resign with you um, at, during the season. By waiting until after the final cuts, if you put him on IR, he can come off after four weeks and so you 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 know so he'll uh, be here. So you have that flexibility to, for example, like with Samus and and the other guys they put on IR, they're not they can't come back here. So 
Actually, some yeah. of them can because they were Absolutely. released within then, a week. So some of them can. They're eligible to. But if you don't yeah. release them in the, within that week's period, then they're on there for the year. He, at least, or, I'm sorry. Even yeah, that, if you release them that, you cannot resign them that year. Now they can. Right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. But that, so I think that makes a lot of sense as to why they would kind of do this Correct. roster Correct. logistics. Another, another position that I wanted to talk about was defensive line, specifically uh, Shaka Tony right. over – uh, William Bradley King, and I wanted to get your thoughts on that because we had a conversation about that, and I gave you my thoughts. You know, I kind of thought William Bradley King was more consistent, but obviously, I think the upside of Shaka probably wins out here. Yeah, and I think I think my feeling would be if they needed a guy right now to play consistent minutes, then you probably take the yeah. guy who can help you right now, and that'd be more William Bradley King because of consistency. But we're looking at Shaka is not like you when you look at the defensive ends right now, it's James Smith Williams, Montez Sweat, Casey Tuhill, and probably F.A. Obata. So Shaka would be fifth in that in that group. He's a guy that you, you know, he has shown the ability to dip and turn the corner. You don't have guys mm-hmm. who can do that like he does here, potentially. We saw that. That's why right. he made the roster last year. He made a move against Baltimore where you would hear from Rivera like Nobody else here is making that move. That's why they. That's a, that was a big reason why they kept him. Then against the Chiefs, you saw him turn the corner on one pass rush, and as soon as I saw that, I was like, he's on the roster again because I haven't seen that from anybody else. <laughs> and then in that same game, to me, as big a key was he makes a nice tackle on punt coverage in the open field. Mm. That to me was a big, right. big deal as well, and it was to them. So I think that's why he's out there is because he does have he offers you something that others don't have, and, and you can try and develop that. And I think, if they, I think the hope for them is that he matures as a pro in everything that means and that you tap into that ability to turn the corner and that maybe you have something. And if you don't, you know, like as much as I like, I like, I like William Bradley King, I know they do, but can you find that guy – somewhere else as well. Do you know what I mean? Sure. So if you yeah. lose him now, yeah. if nobody claims him, he'll be back here on the practice squad. And I think, you know, if that's the case, we wouldn't have seen the last of him is if something happens to one of the top four guys, you may bump him up because you want someone who can handle more of that more minutes right now. Um, right. But, I, right. you know, so that's well, the shock of Tony is like, how many guys turn the corner like that? Not many. So try and develop him as long as you can and then and just see. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good example of like where potential, you know, becomes really important and how like you got to kind of manage that potential, right? I think there's even a little bit of that going on with the tight end room, right? You've got your consistent pieces, but there's a potential there with Curtis, you know, and like I always go back and forth, you know, about what the best way is to manage that because, you know, ultimately like Shaka, I wouldn't feel comfortable if Shaka had to play today, but if he becomes something, I'm going to be kicking myself. You know, like if That's you know exactly what I'm saying, right. if you become something with another team, right? Right. You know, so it's it's super, super. Fr- it's, it's just I think it's just uh, that's a fascinating element of roster building. Yeah. Um, with regards to the offensive line, any surprises there, or was yeah. that pretty much this clear? That, that was. A, was I think I think that was one of the spots. That in the D line, I got all those yeah. projections correct. So I feel good about that. Yeah. You don't always get that, but I the, <laughs> but I you know, and I think here's the other part with the O line. Rivera likes to keep 10 guys. He always brings it up. I like to keep 10. He doesn't always do it, but I also think the way the practice squads are constructed now, it gives you a little bit more flexibility with your numbers on the active roster. So now you have 16 guys. You can keep veterans on the practice squad. So that 10th guy 
is not playing. He's not going to be active anyways. If you have him in the building and somebody gets hurt and you need a guy next week, he's here already. So I think that gives you the flexibility to go with nine at that spot. And, you know, the guys like Keith Ismail, they put on IR. I don't think he was going to help them this year anyway. And not based on what we saw this preseason, there are things he does well, but there are things that he still needs to work on. So they get to keep him around for a year. And I think he would have been cut even if he wasn't hurt. He would have been on on practice squad. So I think, and I also, the one thing I wondered with the numbers there too, though, is what did they think of Trey Turner's recovery and and. Uh, projection for the season well the fact that right. the fact that they you know they brought Wes Martin in and then they cut him he had a legit shot turn in the roster he barely played Saturday so to me that was probably a lot about what do they think of what Turner is showing and he's shown and he's done a little bit more in practice each time so I think that suggests a comfort level there and you didn't need another backup guard on the active roster right now now you can put him on practice squad again and if something happens with them, you can bring them up the next week. But you don't need them maybe for that opener. Yeah, absolutely. And then you know, I just want to get your thoughts on because uh, I think everyone on the everyone in the offensive line room is you kind of know who they are. And to me, the kind of the joker in that room or the wild card, if you will, is Chris Paul because yeah. I think he's again a guy with like tremendous upside. Just want to get your thoughts on how he's been performing and what the staff's been saying about him. Yeah, I think I think there's been a lot of optimism. I mean, we've talked about him, and I think there's still probably some rawness yeah. to his game. I think you know he's a guy yeah. that if you would if you had cut him, he's probably getting picked up somewhere else. I think you know that would have been my fear, and like I'm not, I would not have exposed him to waivers just because a bigger guy has good movement. And I like the way he finishes. Like, there may be some things, like, as a lineman, I'm not an offensive line expert. But when I would watch him and focus on him, I'd see a guy who would finish his blocks, work to the second level, and, and like, finish yeah. with a little bit of an attitude. And I like that. I'm yeah. not getting rid of a guy yeah. like that. And, you know, I remember talking to, for my podcast, I talked to his college coach in the spring. And, like, you know, and you know how college coaches are always like, oh, this guy's going to be a steal. Yeah. This guy's a steal. Um, but they really thought he would go a few rounds higher. And I can see why. Yeah. And I can see why. I think when they put him at tackle, didn't like him at all. At yeah, guard, he he's, at guard, he's much better suited to guard. I think the movements fit his movements better. Um, but I did and like he's, he's crazy strong. He's yes. crazy strong. Like he does, he does stuff at the line of scrimmage that you're like, it doesn't look right from a pass protection standpoint because he's just clamping people at the line of scrimmage. And you're right, he's really raw. His footwork's raw. His body position's raw at times, but he's just, he's a strong dude who's a tremendous athlete, really. And yeah. so to me, I like, in terms of potential on the roster, like, holy cow, man. Like, I, I like love him. that. Um, but, anyway. <laughs>